0: Hey, everybody. Your host here, Jeff Kasuf. We're running this on kicking Back, just like our expansion draft recap. This is a special episode talking about the sales draft, second in three days. This is the no longer called the college draft, but for clarity, I'm going to call it here the college draft, where college players were picked, 50 picks in all. It took just short of five hours, and I extended another half hour by doing our Twitter spaces recap, just like we did for the expansion draft. And if you missed it, here's your chance to hear it on demand in your podcast feed. All of the analysis is still relevant, I hope anyway. Who knows if by the time you're listening to this, some sort of wild trade has happened, or who knows what after a five hour draft. But if you missed it, here it is on demand our the equalizers on the kick and back feed, the equalizers NWSL draft recap with some analysis, winners intriguing teams. Players, Naomi Gurma, first overall pick for San Diego Wave FC, and Jalen Howell, who many thought might be the number one pick, number two overall to Racing Louisville. Get into that in just a moment, and then we'll get into some more points from the draft. Take some of your questions and round it out with a little bit of context for what might be ahead for these picks, these teams, and even the league as the landscape shifts in the next year. Thanks for joining me. Hope you enjoy Okay. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me. And uh, if you're sticking around, if you're still around, uh, credit to you because it's been another long one. I think Uh, second draft of 2021, uh, have mercy as the year comes to an end. We had one in January that was also virtual and very long. And um, I, I didn't check. I think this was, I don't know which one was exactly longer. Maybe someone can chime in for me, but they were both uh, longer than they probably needed to be. So uh, thank you for sticking with me. I'm going to try to keep this recap pretty short because I think everybody, if you're if you're with me, you probably care enough that you've followed from the beginning and that was five and a half hours ago. So uh, I will recap. I will not recap all 50 picks by any means. Take some questions and talk a little bit about some, some higher level trends. I've got a couple questions up. So um, if you joined from you, you must have joined from Twitter so just tweet me and I'm, I'll look at them there um, just so I can read them because I've tried to add people before and uh, it hasn't always worked for some reason so just shoot me a, a text formatted question on Twitter and uh, if you reply to this space I will uh, try to answer all of them and so look Naomi Gurma number one overall pick for San Diego Wave FC I think uh, for some, that was a surprise. I reported last night that San Diego uh, preferred Germa over over Jalen Howell, who I think was kind of the assumed number one pick by a lot of folks um, just based on talent level. But um, I, I think we'll start there for obvious reasons, number one pick, and a lot of questions around that because a lot of people looking at this and saying, well, San Diego has about... 1,000 defenders at this point and zero midfielders, which is a very fair criticism. They even took a defender, at least by her college position, in the fourth round. So um, kind of adding to that, which was slightly comical. But um, look, the, the way that I have, from talking to a lot of people, I've, I've read this as one, a lot of people from the different pro and college scenes see Hal and Gurma as sort of co-number ones, both obviously different positions, both bright futures for the U.S. Women's National Team and... In their pro careers, and then two, um, the actual fit of the players is kind of one of the biggest things that, that I've been able to to surmise from this is Casey Stoney, defender in her day, which was not long ago, a defender who loves to build out of the back. We've seen that from her teams, well, her team really at this point, Manchester United, and this is how she's building San Diego. So you look at San Diego now, Kalen Sheridan in goal. Now you have Abby Dahlkemper, I'm going to go ahead and assume number one pick, Naomi Gurma. Um, tech teaming at center back, you've got Tegan McGrady at left back. So you've got a squad that is certainly going to build out of the back. And then, you know, in terms of the question of what about what about the midfield, my, my understanding from, from what I've gathered is that that'll be through the international market and potential trades or signings, acquisitions. Within the league here. So um, I think totally valid criticism that there are no midfielders right now. But you look at both LA, Angel City, and San Diego, they they both have quite obviously incomplete rosters and have quite a bit to, to finish up. And, and Angel City, even in yesterday's uh, press conference after the expansion draft before this one, uh, Eniola Luco, uh, in announcing Vanessa Ziel, which is a, a very good pickup, I think. Uh, said that they have two more signings done that they'll announce next week, and they're, I think, for marketing reasons, if nothing else, they're they're rolling these out as some 22 days of Christmas type thing or, or 22 days of Angel City. Um, so I, I think similarly, San Diego, things in the works or or maybe even done that we don't know about um, that are addressing some of those midfield needs. But yeah, look, passing on Jalen Howell, I mean, certainly is I think in some ways a number one pick is always going to be a defining thing for a franchise. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, Howell goes number two to Racing Louisville. And I think you look at Racing Louisville, number two pick, number four pick overall uh, Jalen Howell, Savannah DeMello, DeMello out of USC. Um, you probably are looking at when you look at that roster and how 2021 went, you know, two, at least in their minds, we'll see how things play out, two starting central midfielders, uh, which is you know, a big area of need for them. And, and you look at that, even if that is not immediate an immediate answer, um, that's how they're looking at that for the long term, obviously. So, you know, number one overall pick last year, Emily Fox, a fullback who I think in many ways plays the position in a way that that um, we haven't seen a lot of, certainly from Americans. And, and I think we'll kind of redefine that to a degree in the league and for the U.S. national team. So a number one pick from January's draft in 2021, a number one, a number two and a number four here in December for racing Louisville. So, you know, in that sense, I think there's, there's some excitement there, uh, for that newish or newer franchise. And, um, you know, look, Jalen Howell, I think they're quite happy to have Jalen Howell fall to them at number two. I don't think they could have gone wrong either, given some, some needs that they had. And they've talked about, um, they've talked about, some center-back needs as well. So I think they would have been happy with Gurma. But, you know, in Howell, they have a pretty – a solid, you know, central midfielder who I think will be there for – well, they hope will be there for for many years to come. It's a crazy league. Um, I I think the other thing that jumps out in this first round, me official at Orlando, you know, uh, we we got to talk to Amanda Amanda Cromwell post – or mid-draft, I guess it was – me official UCLA declares early – Uh, out of UCLA. Amanda Cromwell leaves UCLA after nearly a decade there and takes the Orlando Pride job, I think only officially announced uh, within the past couple weeks here. Her first draft pick is May official from UCLA, so uh, if nothing else, probably the the most unique and uh, insightful of uh, recruiting processes for a a top five draft pick that I think we've ever seen. Um, Although I guess there have been some jumps. Randy Waldron made a jump, but certainly didn't. um, That wasn't... uh, a a pick from his own college at that point. So, um, you know, me official, I think, you know, declaring early, really interesting. The pride, I think, made some interesting, and and I think we'll see how this plays out. I don't know that I'm going to say, and I'll get to some questions. I saw um, Nicholas, you were asking about winner of the draft. You know, the the pride made some interesting moves in that um, they moved Phoebe McLernan, who... I would say probably their best defender in in 2021, certainly in the first half of the year. I think um, some form and and selection even dropped off in the second half of the year. But, you know, a rookie in herself, well, quasi-rookie in 21, um, I thought did really well for them. And and a team that's in a rebuild, you would look at them and say, Phoebe McLaren has to be part of that, right? But Amanda Cromwell said pretty explicitly that Uh, well, one, Phoebe McLaren had kind of indicated a a request for a change is is in so many words how that was phrased, but certainly more clearly that before she came on is when those trade discussions began. So Phoebe McLaren to O.L. Reign in a a trade that brought back um, Celia and, um, sorry, so many trades today, I'm I'm losing, uh, my focus was a 2023 second round pick uh, as well as Celia, Defender Celia, and um, who is it? We don't have this updated here. My apologies. Um, let me look for that. But Phoebe and you know, a central part of Orlando, so so an interesting thing to see them uh, move on there, which I think was, you know, a, a difficult move for them. And it's a team in, in a rebuild. I, I think there's been some hesitation from teams, including North Carolina Courage coach uh, Sean Nahas has said he doesn't like the word rebuild. Um, you know, rebuild is is uh, is what's going on in Orlando, with without a doubt. So, um, I, I think it's you know it'll be interesting to see. Let me just pull that up for us. Uh, so, tenth pick to Orlando, uh, the number ten pick, which we'll get to. Um, second natural second round pick in twenty three. Forward Leia Pruitt, excuse me, and then defender Celia. So. Um, it, it's a pretty good haul for Orlando to a degree. Um, certainly Leah Pruitt, um, Celia, assuming, you know, uh, some of these trades you have to say, assuming that uh, there is a path forward because Orlando also acquires the rights to Deanne Rose from North Carolina in a separate trade. And again, you know, for what they gave up, um, I think that if Deanne Rose ends up there, whether that's this year or next, whatever it is, Uh, Currently at Reading, just scored a huge goal to beat Chelsea in a major upset in the FAWSL. You know, that could be a big pickup, but again, currently under contract at Reading, so we'll see what happens there. So a, a lot of things, you know, I think Orlando is a good microcosm and snapshot of what's going on across the league at this point. It's December 18th. It is, there's a lot still to do. The January window is not open in terms of international or most international windows, um, and there's a lot still to be done in, in the market. So, you know, I think a lot of these things are semi-incomplete pictures. So just keep that in mind as, as we talk here and as you even look at, uh, at what's going on, you know, with your favorite team or um, whatever it may be. So let me, let me try to make sure I get some of these questions uh, as they come in. And um, let's see, I know there were some about the broadcast as well. Uh, let's see. The Why did the picks take so long? That is a great question. It is 7.42. The clock just turned Eastern. Uh, look, the draft is too long, and maybe um, this is from Orlando. Appreciate the question. And then Neil also had a question about uh, extending the draft over two days, which honestly sounds miserable from my perspective covering it. I don't know about a, a fan perspective of that. I agree, though, it's too long. Um, MLS has gotten to this point where... Uh, now this is—it's it's tough to compare NWSL and MLS sometimes because they have similarities, they have similar mechanisms, but different stages and and honestly different places in the world game. I think the one thing to keep in mind: NWSL undoubtedly a top world league, whether you want to say the top or not. MLS, I think undoubtedly you can say is not. It's not a terrible league, obviously, but it's not a. Top one to three league in the world, so a little bit different, and and there is more of a, a reliance on uh, the draft system, the college system, still in the women's game. So um, it's not apples for apples, but MLS has whittled down their draft um, from what it once was as you know a super draft, a huge event, um, to having you know we've seen through the years this shift where. Some later rounds become a conference call. You know, there's mostly a focus on a bigger first round. So I think that's probably at some point a way that the NWSL draft might go. But, you know, I don't want to say shorten it in terms of the number of picks because we have seen some really good stories through the years of third and fourth round picks that have been great stories that have stuck in the league. Maybe we just saw some today that got drafted and we'll figure that out in – one to two to however many years but so I, I don't want to see that in terms of those opportunities taken away or potential opportunities for players but yes it needs to move along I mean we did have a lot of scenarios where the pick was in um, there's a certain point where the balance has shifted maybe from let's make this a tv event to let's get it done and, and that's maybe where hey maybe the first two of two rounds are for tv and you know the next two are boom let's fly through it but um, you know the pick was in and we didn't get the pick for several minutes and uh, when you do that times 50 or however many times that that'll add up so um, I hear all of you again appreciate you joining me on this uh, and asking some questions because it's been a long day and I think we we saw this coming to be honest I mean this is just how it goes I was optimistic 6 p.m. was was maybe a target and ended up being six fifty six eastern so seven for all intents and purposes um, just looking through the draft a little bit more. Um, I thought some two cool stories at least that I, I would want to point out. And, and there are many of them certainly. Um, but San Diego wave came back in at the number nine pick Marlene shimmer out of grand Canyon university. I think that's a really cool story. First time we've seen grand Canyon on the board in an NWSL draft in the first round. I had to go back. I, I lost, I went down the rabbit hole in this of looking how long ago it was and, and it was longer than I thought eight years. Um, that Grand Canyon made the jump from D2 to D1, but you know, um, to go for a program that's gone from D2 to D1 uh, was a big deal in D2 when it was there, and um, you know, to have a first-round draft pick in the NWSL draft, I think, is pretty significant, uh, just for for that university. Uh, Shimmer, interesting pick. You know, I, I'll admit, don't know a ton about her um, exactly, but just looking at her background and Casey Stoney's background, the fact that. Um, She's, she's had some time in a UEFA Youth Championship um, I wonder how much maybe insight Casey Stoney had <clears throat> excuse me in her in Shimmer beyond just what she saw out of Grand Canyon University and we heard from Casey Stoney on Friday that she's done a lot of diligence in studying the college game since she came on in the summer because prior to that um, she did not uh, she did not have a lot of college knowledge as far as uh, the NCAA went um, so I thought that was interesting, and then Ava Cook, Chicago Red Stars, uh, who was what was she? She was number eighteen overall for Chicago Red Stars. Michigan State is where she played her fifth year, um, and I'm just pulling it up Michigan State where she played her fifth year, which again, pandemic, you know, certain uh, certain amount of different rules for the NCAA of coming back and, and playing out, which is. Um, should be noted in this, I think we've noted it elsewhere, but there are players and, and some coaches have talked about this. This draft class was a little bit light in terms of who would have been initially expected to be in it because there is additional eligibility that players can stick around and, um, and stay uh, for their NCAA fifth year, extend their career uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So there are some players who are not in this that, that some expected to be, but so uh, fifth year player, fifth fifth season, actually, I guess we should call it. But uh, Grand Valley State, another jump, you know, respect to it. Not a, a super well known program uh, to make a jump to Michigan State. Uh, we did speak with her a little bit in the uh, the press conference, the virtual press conference, and she talked about her story being very unique. Everybody's story is unique, certainly in a draft like this. But um, I, I thought that one in particular because. We did not see. I want to make sure I'm not wrong on this. We did not see a a D two. Somebody, feel free to correct me. I'm looking real quick, and we didn't. Yeah, we didn't see a D two or N A I A or you know non D one player here. So um, I think pointing that out, just that we had a player um, who who made that jump to a big program and really just had that opportunity in the fall, is a worthwhile shout there. So um, a little bit of housekeeping, 50 picks, why uh, Orlando, excuse me, Orlando, Angel City and San Diego with uh, the bonus picks in round two. That's why round two was a 14-pick round, and I just made it a little bit longer, didn't it? Um, So, you know, I think some of the other ones here, we saw a couple of goalkeepers off the board, Claudia Dickey. Uh, Ol Rain, Laura Harvey talking today, talking about the the young group. Um, didn't didn't commit to any particular number one, but did say she thinks she has her number one goalkeeper from that group of young young keepers. Um, Sarah Bouhadi has heard that loan has ended, uh, along with Jennifer Marjan and uh, Eugenie Lesameir. So a big a significant turnover at the rain. I have no inside knowledge on anything here, but you know I, I think it, it was pretty clear to me that. The, the loan, at least as an option, is is something that is going to exist in this relationship. So um, I don't put it past some sort of uh, big return for somebody uh, or big loan for somebody to the rain again. But um, as those three loans go, uh, they've they've ended, and those those big names of returned. and those were big pieces, especially marrow. I mean, a huge piece to the rain. So uh, Buhadi, you know, is is. Different cup of tea for everybody in terms of her style of play, but certainly was an experienced goalkeeper in net there and um, was their number one. So, you know, Rain looking to replace their number one. And um, Claudia Dickey out of UNC, you know, is theoretically in contention for that. I think, you know, as, much, as goalkeepers go, which is a tough position to crack in this league, you know, I think you have to look at that as a rookie and say that's, that's a pretty good position to be in, a team that's had some turnover, doesn't have a clear direction yet, I think you've you've got to be excited about that if you're a young or a rookie goalkeeper in that position. Um, other goalkeeper we saw off the board: uh, Gotham took uh, Hensley handcuff out of out of Clemson, and you know Ashlyn Harris is in there uh, as the new number one. So uh, certainly a, a good person to learn from. Gotham, look. We talked about this a little bit, and and this plays into it a little bit. It won't go too far down the hole. That's not draft, but trading away Kalen Sheridan, trading away D.D. Harris and bring in Harris and now handcuff as well. You know, it's a big turnover. Uh, it's it's hard to upgrade from Kalen Sheridan, but uh, certainly I think you probably have in in this sense now you have your right now goalkeeper and potentially goalkeeper for the future. So obviously the the planning there. Um, so again, I will we're at. 19 minutes or so. I want to keep this short because you all have been through enough. It is almost eight o'clock on the East Coast and this has been a long one. So I will take, I've got a couple other questions up. Tweet me if you have any, um, not even question. One. One's a comment, which I do want to point out. Uh, I thought a good point from Anthony DeChico about introduction of the USL Super League next, well, 2023, but next time we have a draft. Players who potentially don't get drafted or don't quite have the opportunity to to jump in um, to a team right away in the NWSL will be options. It sounds like at least the target for USL is 12 teams, that would double the number of pro opportunities. A lot of assumptions on what that's going to look like, but you know, certainly at the minimum, big big opportunities, big increase in opportunities um, for the for more college players. Um, Alex Westry. Tweeting about that and um, opportunity for NWSL players to loan NWSL teams to loan players to USL Super League, said Alex, and um, makes a point about an academy system, which is a very good point. And there's a lot to figure out on the academy front. With uh, the DA has been replaced by the GA, but there's still a an alphabet soup, and there's still the ECNL. And I know there's some disagreement among there has been traditionally anyway among people in NWSL about which of those leagues. And I'm not sure, honestly, that there's been a heck of a lot of thought given through the years to a centralized academy system. So hopefully that is a little bit higher priority, but obviously a lot to figure out right now. Um, Orlando just asking about the USL Super League as well. I, if they'll have a draft, I do not know the answer to that. I think it's early days. we got to get them. We got to get them sanctioned and get some teams in and then uh, we'll see we'll see what USL looks like. But that's an interesting question. I think that'll be interesting to, uh, to keep an eye on. Thoughts on Houston's strategy? They only had one pick. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot I-, I mentioned earlier about keeping in mind incomplete pictures. I think Houston, you know, I mentioned this on the expansion draft recap. You can pretty well read into Mariah Sanchez being protected and, and what's to come there. So I-, I think there, there's there's probably some things, that being a huge one. Um, that you know are are still need to be done Um, and obviously there's some cash in hand now from a lot of these moves so I I do think there have been some I don't want to say curious moves but even maybe a a curious amount of uh, passive behavior maybe at times in Houston but I I imagine I mean I'm probably I think they had a post post draft availability that was while I was talking here but um, maybe they addressed that but you know, I think that there's still some things to be figured out there, certainly in Houston. I mean, to be frank, disappointing in 2021. You know, a team that obviously with what they did in 2020 with the Challenge Cup, could they do it over the course of a season, um, you know, fell, fell off in those final three games and, and couldn't get the job done to even make the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think a lot to figure out there and uh, a lot for James Clarkson to address in terms of uh, some losses as well. So the... One word, oh, we did the one word summary on Equalizer for the draft. We've got youth, unwatchable. Tobin Heath, question mark, don't know. Still way too effing long, long. Okay, so I think that sums up the sentiment there. Um, I think other than that, uh, Nicholas, you did ask me who the big winner of the draft was. You know, I'm gonna look at the high end of the the front end of this anyway. And I do think, talked about it a little bit. Um, I, I do like racing Louisville, you know, depending on how... I think DeMello being the slightly bigger... I don't want to say question mark, but maybe maybe I'll put it this way. Howell being the more obvious one. I do think Louisville coming out with two of the top four picks, one of those being Howell, and um, potentially having, you know, a setup for a future there. They've obviously made some moves as well. They made a, a few big moves on Friday, and they've brought in Jess McDonald up front. So, you know, some veteran experience there to maybe pair up with a pretty young team and, and a lot of good young talent there that, that needs some, some honing. And, and obviously I think all of us for the most part here are going to be, um, figuring out as well. We don't know a heck of a lot about what to expect from style and everything else. Um, you know, as far as the coaching situation goes. So, um, but I think racing Louisville, you know, at the front end there anyway, uh, had, had a good draft. And then, you know, I think this was addressed on the broadcast, but, the Washington Spirit. If you look at what they were coming into this draft, which was more or less barely on the board, and they trade up, uh, eighty-five thousand back to back, eighty-five thousand in allocation money, uh, for the fourteen and fifteen pick. Now, what what becomes of those picks? And actually, I think this was a question that from so long ago that I missed it. of Of why are they? Somebody asked why the Spirit are drafting so much forward talent when they already have it. Um, one, I'd go back to potentially incomplete stuff. I think Jason Anderson, who's I see on here, asked Chris Ward about international slots and they're over them, and the answer was basically, we'll, we'll have an answer for you soon. So obviously they have something going on there that, you know, that there are just things that we don't necessarily know yet um, that I think will slightly inform, certainly an expansion draft and even a college draft as teams plan. So, you know, that's my best answer for that beyond basic depth, but... In terms of winners, uh, Nicholas, I think, you know, Washington getting back on the board, getting to 14 and 15. And I think when you when you're trying to assess um, some of these these situations at this point, at this stage, you have to say, well, you know, fit is always a thing, fit for a team and the you know fit for their needs, that is. And then did they did they build what they think, I think, is the way to put it? You know, do they feel like they got what they need for? the future, and maybe even for the right now. So, you know, trading up to 14, uh, Tanaya Alexander out of LSU, and then Madison Iwell out of uh, Vanderbilt, uh, 14, 15. So the, yeah, and then 23, Lucy Shepard out of Hofstra. So the, I, I think that, you know, the Spirit getting on the board, getting some players, I, I think we had one of the better sibling tweets, actually, somebody flagged for me, uh, Spirit took Audrey Harden out of UNC Wilmington at 38, and her sibling, I think I think proclaimed it the all cap steal of the draft. So, sweet sibling tweets there, uh, out of out of uh, UNC Wilmington. That that's automatic winner for Washington Spirit to get to get some good content out of the uh, good family content. So I think that's probably two teams that jump out, uh, certainly from the top end. And then, you know, I, I think we'll see uh, we'll see how San Diego plays out with the decision obviously of, of Gurma over Howell, and then um, North Carolina Courage. I think would be the other one that you look at and say, not even talking winners so much here. I just I look at them as maybe the most intriguing of the bunch because we've talked about this a bunch. Uh, Sean DeHaas has now twice declined to acknowledge the word rebuild, and I understand why. But uh, this is not the team that many of us called a mini or full on or whatever you want to, however you want to hedge it, a, a dynasty in that in relative terms of the NWSL, a dynasty from that 17, really 16 as the flash to 2019, uh, this is not, this is fully, fully not that team. Crystal Dunn, Sam Us gone, uh, Abby Dahlkemper gone, obviously, Jess McDonald now gone, and this is a Courage team that had three first-round picks, and that's not something that we're necessarily used to. So number three, they went Emily Gray, Virginia Tech at um, number six. They went to Anna Ordonez out of Virginia, who I know Lori Lindsay was hyped about. I saw that on the broadcast. And North Carolina round out the first round at number 12, uh, Caitlin Fragulia out of um, Cal State Long Beach. So, you know, I, I think the Courage have always made some, I guess, dark horse type of picks is, is the way to put it, at least in terms of where they picked people when. Um, and I think at times they've paid off. So, I think we've just seen it in more volume here and at and higher numbers or higher points in the draft. So I think that's probably my my pick for most interesting team to watch out of this draft. Um, even though that wasn't quite your question, it's a bonus answer for you, I guess. Uh, I'm scrolling quickly. I think that does it for uh, the number of questions that we had on here. And we're close to a half hour and I think you are probably all ready. 7.59, we'll get you out of here before eight. Um, I think everybody's ready to Crack open some kind of a beverage after another extended draft. So uh, thanks for joining me on this for the NWSL draft recap, our previous expansion draft recap. Looking forward to – it sounds like we have more moves. I just pray that everybody take a nice break from Christmas to New Year. Everybody in the league, anybody listening, turn the phones off. Let's take a little break. We'll be back in the New Year. And uh, whatever's coming this week, let's do it like before – the 23rd of December. So thank you everybody for joining this. I'm your host, Jeff Kasuf, and we'll talk to you again soon.